Welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Carol Perlman, a psychologist, health coach, and married mom of two boys. I went from a frazzled mompreneur who hits news until the last possible moment to a vibrant business owner who jumps out of bed at 5 a.m. excited about my day. I once felt completely overwhelmed by my endless task list, but have learned how to work smarter, not harder, by studying health habits, mindset, and time management. I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can learn how to stop picking at your kids' leftover food, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of the to-do list so you go to bed feeling fantastic about your day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Perlman. This is the Healthy Habits for Life show. So welcome everybody to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Perlman, and I'm so excited to have with me today, Lisa Vasile. She's a nurse practitioner and one of my favorite colleagues, someone I have incredible respect for, and it's really fitting that she's actually the first guest that I'm interviewing for the podcast. And Lisa, I'm so grateful to have you here today. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So let me give people some information about your background and then we'll dive in. Lisa is a functional medicine nurse practitioner and owner of For Better Health Functional Medicine Practice in Hopkinton, Massachusetts. Functional medicine, as she describes it, determines how and why illness or disease occurs and restores health by addressing the unique root causes of disease dynamics. That's a bit of a mouthful. We're going to go into that in more yes, detail. We can go, we can we'll, that. <laughs> yes, we will. Lisa earned her bachelor's degree in science and nursing from Fitchburg State University and her master's degree in nursing with a subspecialty in education from UMass Graduate School. During her 30-year career, she has served as a U.S. Army nurse for five years. I didn't know that. Taught with faculty at three Massachusetts colleges and worked in and taught OBGYN, labor and delivery, and primary care. Lisa has always valued movement and nutrition as keys to optimal wellness and vitality for herself, her family, and her patients. This enthusiasm pushed her to obtain a post-master's certification in holistic health and nutrition, gluten specialist practitioner certification, and functional medicine training through School of Applied Functional Medicine and the Institute for Functional Medicine. Lisa has a lot of training <laughs> a lot of expertise. Lisa's passion has brought her to health segment interviews with CNN, as well as many cable and radio shows. She presents regularly to inspire and empower the community and practitioners about functional medicine's deeper healing potential. She's presently building Lisa Vasile LLC to help bring functional medicine to the masses. Lisa has been laughing with her husband for over 30 years and they have three grown children. Her passions include watching her kids play lacrosse, moving her body using a combination of weight training yoga and walking daily and listening to podcasts. Wow, Lisa, what credentials you have. And I can't wait to hear all of your podcasts. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited. Um, really excited as this unfolds. So let's begin. Um, tell me a little bit about how you got interested in this field of functional medicine. 
So I have been, as you can tell, um, the never-ending student and also at, in the health field for over 30 years. So having worked uh, in the health field, uh, not only just professionally, but personally, uh, I, I saw things that just I would call gaps in medicine. Uh, nothing that was wrong, but more so, you know, there's things missing kind of thing. Uh, especially when I got into being um, a nurse practitioner and I found I was working at the time in OBGYN, more and more women coming back year after year with more and more medicine, but feeling crappier and crappier um, or heavier and heavier or their quality of life lower. And everything I do doesn't work, they would say, or, you know, I would look at their medications and be like, okay, you're, you're on more medications. What's going on? Um, a lot of the focus was exercise more, eat less. And that was all they were told. And, or worse, well, it's just part of getting older. It's just part of menopause. Everyone in your family has it. So it's going to happen anyway. Um, and, and that, that commonality of everybody being on one, two, six medications and the non-common for myself and my husband last year, getting our colonoscopies multiple, multiple times being asked, you're not on any medications. What medication are you sure you're not on any medications? You don't even take anything over the counter because statistically like $20 billion a year are spent on over-the-counter medications. So those aren't typically even counted, right? Mm -hmm. So this was what I was seeing over and over again and having some personal experience with what happened, food is medicine, having been diagnosed as celiac and thinking all of these things that I struggled with for my whole life and told doctors about, I was exhausted. My anemia was always terrible. Um, I had some infertility. The brain fog was ridiculous. Terrible, terrible, terrible IBS. And it was just who I was. And that's just who you are and take this pill for that and take that pill for that to reduce it or to increase it, whatever it might be. Um, got diagnosed with celiac and 99% of it went away because I took a food group out. So yeah. to think of the fact that if that can, if just taking a food group out, which is not really, there's nothing about gluten grains that really serves us. I mean, it's not for some people hurting them, but for others, it's really not. You can find a lot of the same nutrients in other grains. So like, okay, that's, insane, right? So I was B12 deficient, you name it. So for personally, that was huge. Professionally to see when I started really looking into things like nutrients and food and doing some of this other um, training, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You mean to tell me that these people that are coming in with headaches, so they're on the pill for that, migraines, so they're on the pill for that, anxiety, so they're on the pill for that, constipation, they're on the pill for that, and high blood pressure, they're on the pill for that. Oh, and restless leg, they're on the pill for that. Oh, you mean that they all just need magnesium? <laughs> And I was like, Pah. so when I did that mind blow, I was like, I need to figure out more. And that's when I decided to go into something with more of a whole body integrative, as we call it, root cause. Like the root cause of a lot of that, as I said, is lack of movement, lack of happiness, lack of joy, passion, and purpose, lack of magnesium, lack of good, healthy food, um, and, and the empowerment and inspiring, inspiring education that comes with that, as opposed to you need to exercise more and eat right. And that's just so demeaning when the person is desperate for true valuable support and something that's an action step, right? It's so fascinating. So you've had your own personal experience with this of, of struggling for so many years with various ailments, feeling terrible, just accepting it as the norm, as who you were and kind of the cards you were dealt. And then finally figuring out the root cause of the problem and realizing At 37 years old. So when I was uh, 17 and graduated high school, I was a young graduate. I was a uh, five, eight and 114 pounds. And no one thought that that was a weird problem, right? So that's insane. So now I'm 5'8", 145 
depending upon the, you know, the, the, the COVID or not. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so depending upon where, you know, that's 30 pounds and not that that's, I mean, that's still white for many people, but at the same time, I, I now I work at, at keeping that, but at 52, healthier, stronger, more energy, more better focus than at 37 when I was diagnosed. So you were really malnourished for all those years. Really malnourished. You couldn't hang on to the body that it needed. Yeah. And then, so on top of that, I mean, it's really compelling when you've had your own journey and I have as well, um, which is actually, I think how I met you to begin with. Um, But when you have your own personal experience of being sick and then realizing that functional medicine or anything beyond just throwing traditional medicines and putting band-aids on the problem. Those medications are very helpful and I cannot denounce the fact that they, in the right time for the right amount of dose and the right amount of time, they are important in life-saving. Can't discount it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, but you've had your own experience and then just seeing all these patients um, put Band-Aids on the problems with medication and still not feeling the vitality that they should. It really was the light bulb for you that said, we've got to look at this in a different way. Well, and I also had some personal experience um, when my mom, she was very, very young. So this was what really kind of said, okay, I need to figure out, I mean, clearly I, I want to make sure that I don't go down the same path. Um, um, she get dementia and died very, very young. And so to think of someone who was robbed, she died at 65. She was robbed her last two or three years of her life. Um, and she was a healthy, she never took a medication. She was six feet tall. She was, she was healthy. She was robust. She was, and then she just like all of a sudden, and it was this trajectory of disease. It's just what happens. There's nothing you can do about dementia. And when I really started looking into what causes dementia and the, and we know now that there's multiple facets. Now, some of it's genetic for sure, but what turns on those genes? So having a gene is like having a blue light. Is it on or off? It doesn't mean that, you know, you, you just don't have to go on and, and keep these on or the good ones are off. Right. So, so for me, finding out what that looked like for inflammation is the key driver for all disease. When I really started finding, find, um, studying the functional medicine piece and looking at, okay, so what are the top 10 things that we can do or five things we can do to reduce most of the time what those inflammatory pieces are. And we now, they are now calling, and you know this, um, they are calling diabetes type, or excuse me, dementia type three diabetes. So they're looking at a major driver for this is insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, diabetes. Okay. So that's not my mom. So where else was it? Oh, we also had genetic dysfunction. She was undiagnosed celiac. We ended up diagnosing her, my sister first, I mean, and then my mom. And so to have all of these things go, okay, this is too good for me to like, know that I can help people in a different way. Mm -hmm. Medicine helps a lot of people, but they're, they're surviving and maybe not thriving. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, but I think we've answered it. I was going to ask you if you could define functional medicine for people who don't know what it is, but I I think we've covered that. But if you want to just give a concise definition, you know, how is going to you and working with you different from going to your traditional primary care physician? Uh, And so what we're looking at is not just what is the, is the lab normal or abnormal? We're looking at is the lab optimal and are many of them in the optimal range. So you might have a a D level that's pretty low or B12 that's pretty low in the reference range or magnesium that's low in the reference range. You might also have IBS. So to your point, not only you're not maybe absorbing good nutrients, but you're potentially not even making neurotransmitters because you know, you make those in the gut from eating protein. And so if you can't absorb those foods because you have IBS, which 
which 80% of people do, either constipation, diarrhea, or both. Um, and they think it's normal. They think that not pooping is a normal thing. It's just what I do. I poop twice a week and that's just what I do. And it's like, yikes. Um, and so looking at those kind of things, I think too, um, we have more time. So we spend a little bit more time to get to those questions of, are you pooping every day? What is your sleep like? You know, looking at all of the intricacies that are either body burden or imbalance. And so trying to really pull those into, into balance. And so a lot of times we have a little bit more testing ability. So even if we don't do further testing, it's, it's, what are you eating? Are you sleeping joy, passion, purpose? What have you had traumas? Have you dealt with those traumas? Um, you know, every day, are you getting beat up at home? You're not going to get better if you are. Mm -hmm. So you typically are able to spend more time because it's sad and I hope this will change. I hope in our lifetime we see that this will change. But I know right now a lot of insurance companies don't cover um, the work of a functional medicine practitioner. So many people come to you or seeing you um, in pain privately. But what you get for that is the ability to spend so much more time with you so you can ask all these questions that a traditional primary care doctor can't get it just to look at a wider range of problems or a wider range of factors that might be contributing to the um, problem. And then you can run more tests. You can... Right. So I, I will say that um, about 30 to 40% of our patients actually do get reimbursed or they use their flex spending. So that's great. Oh, that's good um, to know. Yeah. It, you know, I'd see even more than that, use their flex spending. And I will say that I have had people come to me recently more and more that want to see us because they're getting a deeper dive into lab work. So instead of just running a regular lipid panel, we're, we're going to run a lipid panel, but also the inflammation markers. So it's not just whether you have, have high cholesterol, it's whether you, what, what is that cholesterol behaving like? So, you know, let's, talk about kids, right? You can have three kids at a party and it can be hell, or you can have 15 kids at a party and it can be completely wonderful because it depends how they're behaving. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the nutrients that balance, that this, that either balance or burden a cardiovascular condition, et cetera. So people will come to us and say, everyone in my family has XYZ. I go to my doctor, they run this. It costs me a ton of money. I'd rather use my deductible with you and get a bigger, deeper dive. So if they have a $15,000, $2,000 deductible, they can meet that. And then they can go from there and have a little bit more value for their buck. Yeah. The other thing that I remember learning from you is um, that idea that you alluded to before, that there's a range that doctors are looking at to say, and the, and they'll look at that and say, oh, you fall within the rain, range, so everything is all good. But you might look at that and say, no, that's not okay. You might be in what is considered the normal range, but you're at the low end, and that's really important. And if you have many, many at the low or many, many at the high, like thyroid's a good one, normal is 0.5 to 5, but if you're four and a half, you're not going to feel as good as you would at two and a half, especially if everything else is a little bit out of balance on the low end or the high end. Um, and really those reference ranges are actually made from the, the bell curve, right? 66% in the middle, 33% split in the other on both halves. So the bell curve of the United States of what all the people are coming in as is that's where those reference ranges are coming from. We do not have a healthy country. So if you're judging whether or not something's normal or abnormal, for something like a thyroid or a B12, B12 is normal if it's if it's um, 190 to 900. So if you're 194, you're normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. That's not what I want my grading system to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such an important takeaway. Um, I never forgot that when you explained that to me, and I think that's a really important takeaway to for people to remember. So what would you say when you think about your caseload, when you think of all the the patients that you work with, what would you say are the top four complaints that people come to you with? 
Um, pooping is number one. I'd say that they either don't do it enough, they do it too much, um, bloating, uh, heartburn, huge, um, burping. Um, that's a huge one. Okay. Uh, another one is sleep and energy. Uh, a lot of people are just, especially over the last six to nine months, they just, and, and worse is, is this goes on. Um, just, you know, we, what does that look like? What's normal? What can, how can I fix it? Um, pain is another one and not pain so much as in like, um, a, a diagnosed pain, such as say, a arthritis, but more so I get up in the morning and I feel like the tin man, well, that's just not okay. Right. So why is that happening? Um, and then another one would probably be, um, you know, we have autoimmune and other things, but I have a lot of people that come to us that just want to, to feel better or avoid something that's going on in their in their body or their family. So I have diabetes and now they're telling me I need insulin or I have statin and now they're telling me I need X, Y, Z. And so what, how can I prevent that or reverse it? So traditional medicine does a really good job in acute care, slowing down trajectory of disease or, or stopping something like, don't come to me if your finger's falling off. I'm Go to, go to an emergency room, get the antibiotics, get that finger put back on. But if you have, say, somebody who had a heart attack, go to the hospital, get that done. The next step for traditional medicine with, re, with reason is to take these medications to prevent another heart attack. But those medications aren't necessarily reversing why the person had the heart attack to begin with. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. So we have a lot of those patients too. Definitely. Okay. So let's break that down one by one. So let's talk about poop. Um, you know, gastrointestinal <laughs> problems are miserable. They, they make your life miserable when your gut doesn't feel good, when your belly doesn't feel good. It really does take away from your quality life and how you experience your life, you know, throughout the day. So what are some variables that you sometimes uncover that are causing that? And how do you help people? The biggest one is that people aren't eating real food. So most people are, and, and I don't discount the fact that life is busy and it's very hard to always be planning and eating whole foods, foods that come as they actually were grown in the, in the world, whether that be fish or eat, you know, meat, fish, eggs, vegetables, fruit, whatever. Um, if it's eaten in that way, it's a lot easier for the body to digest it. The other one is that um, people aren't drinking enough water. So half your weight and body weight, per, half your weight in ounces per day, um, and it's water. You can have herbal tea, that kind of thing, but caffeine doesn't ha- doesn't count. Soda, juice, all that doesn't that doesn't count. Um, the other one that I would say is um, movement. So a lot of people aren't moving enough. So even just thirty minute walk every single day will really help the digestive system. Um, lastly, that- I would oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's just amazing. I mean, those are not those solutions are not that hard. You know, they're not super expensive. They're not really complicated. Get up and take a walk for 30 minutes and your poops. Or two two 15 minute walks, right? So people, I just saw something on Sunday morning um, saying that people are working more hours at home because they're getting up, they don't have to commute. So they're actually putting more hours on, but that's actually reducing some of their habit of go to the gym, then go to work or, or the other way around. So, you know, 15 minutes, a couple times a day, but, um, you know, the other one is just overall, um, nutrient deficiencies is a biggie. Magnesium is the second highest deficiency just because of the way the world is eating, but also because of the way our food is grown. Uh, and because we overuse magnesium with exercise, with stress. Um, and, and so if we can add a little magnesium in, whether that be through food-based food, uh, magnesium rich foods, or even a magnesium supplement, depending upon kidneys, because it can affect kidneys if you have issues, um, you you know, so that's, that's pooping is especially constipation. Another yeah, so thing is people me, like going for a second. So what foods contain magnesium? What would you want to add in? 
Um, the biggest foods that contain magnesium are things like pumpkin seeds. Pumpkin seeds are good. I'd have to actually look that list up. You really okay. caught me off guard there. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah. Well, it's um, easy enough to Google. These days we have so much information. Right. If you know that the target is magnesium. Okay, that's easy enough to go Google that. And there's plenty of information. And, you know, if you're eating a health, if you're eating more salads and more, it doesn't have to be a salad because, of course, in the winter it's hard for some people to do that, but a smoothie or a soup, things that have a lot of those, eat the rainbow, like just eat the rainbow, eat the rainbow every day and lots of greens. It will help you as far as pooping. Things like um, non soluble foods, things like um, hummus, um, those are insoluble. And if for some it might bloat them, and that's a sign of something else going on in the gut. But for sure, uh, adding things that, that people aren't even thinking about. So can I have a snack? Yes, let's try some of these other things that are not um, more processed and harder for the body to digest like chips or crackers. So non-soluble is going to mean fiber, right? Something that's higher in fiber. Right. So there's insoluble and, and uh, soluble fibers. And so something like a, uh, a legume is actually both mm-hmm. uh, like hummus is, is um, chickpeas. So it's both. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's just remarkable that GI problems can really ruin your day. And yet there are a lot of really basic steps that you can Well, take. and I think a lot of people are going on Google and saying, oh, I need a probiotic. That's what it is. And they'll come into me and they're constipated like heck or the other way around. And they're, and I look at their, the probiotic that they've chosen and it's causing what they're doing. You're kidding. So, no. So like, um, certain probiotics are helped to help uh, slow down the gut and then other probiotics help to activate the gut. And so in the same thing with magnesium, there's some that really affect the gut and others are more cellular. So some will be better for constipation and some will be better for restless leg. So having somebody to just kind of say, Hey, you know, which one is, which is really helpful. Yeah. So even though you could walk into CVS and find 25 different options, you kind of maybe don't want to pick and choose on your own. You want to help someone make you, um, talk to someone so that you can make an informed decision. Or even you can research it too. Yeah. Right. Yep. Okay. That's so good to know. Okay. So you do not need to suffer. If you have IBS, if you have GI problems, you do not need to suffer. There are some really great strategies that you can incorporate. Um, all right. So let's talk about sleep and energy. I know so many people, especially my age group. talk. Yeah. About- if we could solve that, you and I would be a millionaire. Yeah. Each. Trillionaire. Um, the, one of the biggest things, unfortunate for women, especially, is that we are multitaskers and that does not shut off. And so shutting that off is the major drive, driver. Uh, and then people our age are also going through the hormonal shifts of perimenopause and menopause. And we know for sure that that drop in progesterone, by the way, not estrogen, um, is one of the drivers for that. Because when you don't ovulate or not ovulating as effectively or every month, you're not giving yourself that progesterone to balance out the, the natural estrogen we have unless we don't have ovaries anymore. Even if you stop menopause uh, cycles and you're still having a little bit of estrogen, especially if you're fluffier. So the fluffier you are, the more um, the more saved estrogen that we have in, our, in the adipose and the muscles. Um, and so if we can balance that with um, uh, you know, again, movement and things like that to try to support, uh, balancing that estrogen out, but that's part of the, the major driver for women. So if you go from there, then the next one would be, well, then we need to figure out how to balance that. So for some people, I would say, you know, talk to your providers about potentially getting some balance for, um, the hormone and it doesn't have to be HRT, but something that might help, help balance them. I don't know. Hormone that. replacement therapy. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be something like that, but it could be something over the counter. It could be flaxseed is a huge, huge, huge support for balancing that, um, seed, not, not, um, the oil. 
moving helps it, uh, but really have to shut off that stress, right? So have to shut off that constantly on social media, constantly listen to good, bad news, constantly one more, one more email, one more um, list, one, it's, if, if women and men could really look at the balance of that, it's way, and I'm not saying that my husband isn't great, but trying to balance that I'm going to go to bed. And there's that whole thing that you like do 75 things. You go to bed, you go upstairs. He's already sound asleep. Right. <laughs> so, um, trying to shut that off in a way that's actually telling your body to shut that off. So if you can do an Epsom salt bath and you have the availability, um, it's a wonderful way to shut it off. Leave the phone out of the room. You can put the, if you have AirPods on, or you can just put music on and do like a, a almost a meditation in the tub, mm-hmm. um, so that you're telling your body to shut down. There are supplements that help too, but that's a whole different podcast. Okay. Um, again, these are not that complicated. These strategies that, you know, there are things that you can pretty easily do at home. So making sure that you have some downtime is really, really important so that your brain and your hormones can settle down. The stress level can calm down and that's going to help balance things out. Definitely doable. Um, all right. One more topic. You, you mentioned this a little bit. Let's just talk a little bit about inflammation. It's such a broad term. You kind of hear it. I know that it's bad. Um, but how do you help people? I mean, do people come to you and want to work on inflammation or how do you may not know that that's what they're going to work on, but they might have. So in functional medicine, um, we do, we do look at diagnoses, but more so we look at the dynamic of what's at play in that diagnosis. So if someone has had a cardiovascular disease, if someone has, um, I, I mentioned like rheumatoid arthritis or, um, um, multiple sclerosis or even IBS or brain fog or whatever that we, we look for the driver that might be, again, what's a body, what's, what's a burden and what's, a, what's out of balance. Um, and almost always some of these, many, many times these have a driver of an inflammatory process. And so again, it comes down to what foods are we eating? What are we putting in our body for drinks, right? So many of us are, are, are drinking a little bit more of the sugar or the mm-hmm. um, uh, other drinks, alcohol, um, uh, it might even, it might even be a juice, which is, is supposed to be healthy, but it's a little too high glycemic. So sugar is a big inflammatory, uh, uh, driver, uh, processed foods, a big inflammatory driver for some people removing gluten and or dairy, uh, can be a big driver. Those are the two highest foods that can upregulate what we call inflammation, systemic inflammation in the body. And then, um, looking at, um, Stress is a big driver and people will, for my patients, I'll look at them and say, okay, listen, you've done the food sensitivity or the food elimination piece. Good for you. You've done great. You've done the supplements I've recommended if we needed those. Um, You know, we still have not approached the stress. And if I don't do that, you know, these people will stand upside down naked on the mass pike and take and drink and drink water all day long, but they will not. It's just, they don't have time for that. I had someone tell me that she didn't have time to, to drink a Tulsi tea, which is like a holy basil tea, which is like a calming tea. I don't have time to make tea every day. I'm like, okay, well therein lies why you're not going to get better. So we have to address the stress. It's a huge inflammation piece. So inflammation come out in any, in any of these conditions, as far as the driver for dis-ease in the body, if you want to put put it that way. Oh, I love, I love that play on words. (laughs) Um, And how do you measure that? I know there are tests, right? Sure. There's, um, we can measure it uh, with multiple different ways. Now in, in rheumatology, there's uh, tests that they might order like ANA, um, SED rate or ESR, rheumatoid factors. There's actual autoimmune markers that will even thyroid markers that look at uh, antibodies and antibody up, you know, that go up in, in, um, in an attack 
to support the body. Like the body's so good about trying to fix stuff that it actually almost overdoes it sometimes. And that's what an autoimmune is. Mm -hmm. So you have autoimmune markers, which would be inflammatory markers. Then there's something called CRP, C-reactive protein, which is another systemic inflammation marker. A lot of people look at that just as a cardiac lab, but we look at it as a systemic marker. Um, Another good one is homocysteine. We actually even look at ferritin, which is in iron stores. If we see that getting higher and higher, we know that the body's sequestering iron to support it in the state of inflammation. So there's all these little tricks that we can even do in regular lab work. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, Okay. So if we bring it all together, if I came to you and I said, Lisa, what are the three most important habits I need to work on? I don't have a ton of time to work on myself, but I want to feel the best I can. What are the top three habits that I should work on? Um, I hate to keep saying the same things over and over again, but it is food is medicine. Um, but it also can be, you know, a lot of people will say, well, everyone in my family has whatever. And, and there's a saying that says that your genes are, are the gun and your lifestyle is what pulls the trigger. Wow. I know it's really kind of icky and powerful, but it's good. So if we can, not every single time, again, I'm not perfect. I would hate for people to think I am, but if, if you can cumulative on a regular basis, really work at reducing how much inflammatory food you're eating, um, the process, the sugar, the, the chips and the, um, other things that we know are not healthy people. Like, I don't mean to like categorize it, but people know, like, I know I shouldn't be having X, Y, Z, um, but I love it. And it's delicious. And I don't blame them. Of course it is. But if you were for the most part, eating whole foods and a lot less of that other, um, drinking that water, moving 30 minutes every single day, and it doesn't have to be running marathons or doing boot camp, but it can be yoga and Qigong and walking 30 minutes a day. And it, it's a three, I mean, there's so many stars, three hours a week drastically reduces all course of disease. Incredible. So you can add that up however that looks. Um, And then sleep. If you can try to really do that sleep, because not only is it shutting off that cortisol that's upregulating the inflammation for a lot of people and not loudening, it's also where we detox. Um, And so if you think of using your iPhone and it never getting plugged in, it's not going to last very long. And that's what sleep does. Great analogy. So how many hours do you think people should get? Uh, I think it depends on the person. Um, Anywhere from six to eight would be a good start. Mm Mm-hmm. And if they're waking up and they're and they are kind of sleeping pretty well, a lot of people like you know and I, and I know that don't sleep well. But those that are like, I go to bed, I I sleep so hard, but I literally could go like ten more hours and I wake it up and still not I'm not refreshed. That's not a, that's not okay either. Yeah, that shouldn't be tolerated. Yeah. All right. So really, it boils down to lifestyle. Um, eat the most dense. What do you- Nutrient-dense. nutritious foods that you can, least processed, most nutritious that you can, drink half your body weight in water, move your body every day for 30 minutes, doesn't have to be all in one segment, Um, try to increase the quality of your sleep as best as you can, utilize the relaxation techniques, make time for it, Um, use these strategies that we, just like we might have done with our, when our kids were little babies, you know, you don't just throw them in the crib and say, go to sleep, you have to ease them in. We're just the same. We need that wind down um, period. Some people could really use um, complementary therapies too. So I mentioned yoga that can be done at home in Qigong. Um, But you you know, it is invaluable for so many people to say, you know what, I know it's not happening. So you go to somebody that helps you do that, um, that shutting off and that stress reduction, that rebalancing within the body, things like uh, acupuncture, chiropractic, Reiki, uh, craniosacral therapy are amazing. Yeah. Massage. Would you put that on? Massage therapy. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
Oh my gosh, we could talk for so long. Okay, so tell us, um, you are so knowledgeable. You're, you're such a gift to us. So where can people find you if they want to learn more from you? And what kind of services are you currently offering that people might want to know about? So I, I own a functional medicine practice in Hockington. We are right now doing 100%, uh, I'd say 96% uh, remote. So people can find us through our website, forbetterhealthmedicine.com. It's myself and a physician. And um, as you mentioned, you alluded to at the beginning, I am, and so as far as what we're seeing, we're seeing patients that are in any of those that we just talked about. And um and so you can talk to Maggie about setting up an appointment if that's something that you wanted to do. Then, you know, you had talked about, I am setting up a, a, a new business like you uh, that is going to be hopefully just talking about ways to get this kind of medicine incorporated into traditional medicine. That's sort of my goal. So I, I, I just really think that even just little snippets of this can be done as busy as people are. Um, if they had the tools and the questions to ask to be able to do this uh, kind of work um, minimally, but but successfully in traditional medicine. That would be amazing. Yes. Truly amazing. I can't wait to see the impact that you make on the field in that way. And people can follow you on social media. I know I do. And you yes. give so many great tips. So where can you be found on Instagram? So I'm on Instagram and, you know, let me just tell you, it's the four BH. The number four, the number four BH functional medicine is on Instagram um, and our Facebook page is just for the number four better health. And then there's a website, right? Yes. For betterhealthmedicine.com. Thank you. Okay. Yes. I definitely recommend that people follow you. And, um, I especially like the content that I see on social media. It's very real and very tangible, you know, little tweaks that I can make in my daily habits that I know if they're coming from you, I know they're going to have a really important payoff. So Thank you so much for being here today. I always learn a lot from you and I hope everybody else did too. So yeah, me too. Thank you so much. And, and please, please empower yourself, inspire, get educated. It's don't accept the, it's just who you are. If you are suffering, keep trying. Great words to live by. All right, Lisa. Thanks. Hope to Take see care. you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you love today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.